So God's doing some cool things here at Southridge. I'm honored to be a part of it. My name is Pastor Jay. I'm the executive pastor, and I'm uh, honored also to kick off our series, Soar. All right? How many of you are ready for 2016? Like, yes, I'm so excited. Very cool. Uh, you know, I was listening to radio, local radio, and... <clears throat> Uh, a couple days ago, it was actually the 30th or 31st, and I said, you know, so many people were ready for 2016 because there was just this feeling that 2015 had so many negative things that happened in our world, uh, terrorist attacks, all kinds of things, just the feeling like so many people were just ready for it. And, you know, for us, for this series, and Pastor Troy and I, and what we're going to be sharing about, you know, we're excited too, and we're, we want to we want to just uh, have that same kind of excitement for your personal life, for your personal uh, spiritual journey. What if 2016 could be different? What if it could be the best year ever? This series, Soar, we're, we're pumped to share about it. And we, we, we all want, what we want is for us to rise above maybe the junk of 2015 and even farther back. The stuff that continues to weigh, weigh us down in this world. How can we rise above that and really soar? I started thinking about this, and, and I think the challenge of the new year, and as you're beginning to uh, do some resolutions, how many of you have a resolution already? Or resolutions, okay? Uh, maybe you just have a list of things. I didn't even put resolutions. I just put new year, and I have this list of about six or seven things that I'm really hoping for, believing for, and praying for. And I was thinking about the first time I ever got into an airplane. The first time I ever got in an airplane. And I believe I was uh, I believe I was nine years old. You're gonna see a picture here, all right? A little throwback here. Uh, I was I was about nine years old. This is me, nine years old. Um, my uh, my stepmother, who I call mom, her father built this plane. This is in Kansas City, Kansas, and. Uh, I, that was my first time ever. I was so excited. It was one of those, the night before this happened, I was, I couldn't even wait. Uh, couldn't even wait. Uh, so excited. Probably couldn't sleep. Uh, got into this airplane and Lee, uh, great guy and a great pilot. And I remember we got up into the air and he was like, and we were flying just, just for just a minute or so. And he said, so Jay, I had my headphones on and, and he said, Jay, what do you want to do while we're up here? And and leading up to that, I was thinking, man, I was telling my friends, we're going to do barrel rolls, and we're going to do, like, loops. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so cool. Well, a couple minutes into the flight, my stomach wasn't as excited to be up in the air as I was. And uh, um, he did a couple cool tricks, and one that just about, you know, turned my stomach upside down. When we got down onto the ground, I remember... Um, my mom and dad were like, hey, how was it? It was great. I was like, yeah, it was so fun. Can I go sit down in the back of the car, lay down? And that's what I did. I went and I curled up in the back seat holding my stomach. And, you know, as I was thinking about this experience and just kind of remembering back, I think sometimes that's how uh, our, our New Year's get kicked off. We get really, really excited about how things could be different. And then maybe a few weeks or a few months into the year, the things of life begin to pull us down. Things that we get sick of and tired of and get frustrated and we find ourselves grounded. That's kind of the things that we fight. The things that you fight with. The things in this world that pull us down. And what we want for this series is to encourage you and help you to rise above those things and to keep soaring. I believe God wants the exhilaration 
to last. He doesn't want us grounded. And I want to look at our key text to start out. It's in Isaiah, uh, this this, uh, book, Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 31. We're going to look at this text. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Looking at this text, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've seen it before on, 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 on a, a picture or something. Uh, this is kind of one of those, what I would call, a classic scripture of inspiration in, very, in a very good way. Every time I hear it, every time I read it, I'm encouraged, I'm inspired of what these words have to say for us. When I'm preparing for a message, um, some, sometimes I like to... Uh, just kind of get out a piece of paper, a scratch paper, and I just start writing ideas down, things that, that jump out to me. And, and uh, I want to share a couple of those thoughts with you. First, I'll share you a thought that, that really didn't make it into your handout. You can follow along. Because uh, I was looking for that one idea that I wanted you to walk away with from our key text today. And I was writing different things down. And, and as I was looking at this passage, you know, it, it is very clear that God wants some really great things for us. And he wants us to soar. And so I was jotting some of these things down. I, I wrote down uh, just kind of free thinking. And I wrote down, God wants you to get high. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't think, I don't think Pastor Troy would want that in our handout, okay? So, so I scratched that idea. And what I want, want to share with you is this. God wants you at your best. God wants you at your best. He doesn't want you stuck. He doesn't want you stressed. He doesn't want you weary. He doesn't want you grounded. He wants you to soar. He wants you to run and not get tired. He wants you to walk and not faint. I believe God wants all these things for you. As we find here in this key text, he really wants you to soar high like on wings of eagles. I believe your best year ever starts with this key text, but also with the entire Bible. Your best year ever starts with the best book ever. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The best book ever, the Bible. It is the best-selling book of all time. The NIV version alone has sold over 400 million copies. The Guinness Book of World Records believes that between 1815 and 1975, that 5 billion copies of the Bible were printed and sold. Amazing. More available than ever before, the best book ever. Less than 350,000 people in the world do not have a translation for them to read the Bible out of. And there are organizations that are working to, to where we will have every language represented in the, uh, and translated for the Bible. 88% of American homes have at least one copy in their home. And now you can get it on your phone for free. And in fact, if you don't have it, just to, just to let you know, version, the Bible app, you can get that for free. If you don't have it on your phone, great way to kick off your new year, reading scripture, uh, finding a way. You're wondering, how do I start reading the Bible? Uh, this is a good, they have different plans. Um, even if you just need, if you want to read it 
kind of the old-fashioned way, this can give you some plans and some ideas for you to do that. So what can happen when you tap into the best book ever? What could happen? I want to look at Psalm 119, verses 10 through 16, to give you just a taste of what could happen. This is what the psalmist, we don't know their name, said, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. As I look at this passage, this is actually from the longest chapter in the Bible. I was studying this this last week and... uh, it was about time for, for bed for my son, and sometimes we just encourage him, hey, go read and read some of the Bible. And I said, Jackson, before you go to bed, I want you to read Psalm 119, just one chapter. And he said, okay. And my wife kind of laughs and said, Jackson, you're not going to be reading that tonight. So uh, Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. And much of this chapter, much of this chapter is about this love for Scripture, The author of this psalm, as just we've just taken just a little snippet out of this uh, chapter, talks about God's word like it's the best thing that's ever happened to him. The best thing that's ever happened to him. Check this out. He has hidden it, recited it, rejoiced it, studied it, reflected on it, delighted in it, and vowed to never neglect it. The best thing that's ever happened. I believe that each and every one of you here today can experience the same type of feeling. You can get that excited about God's word. I was thinking about this. um, When I first started kind of planning this, it was just before I had to go on a little road trip. And uh, I took my daughter down. I had to go to um, a funeral for a friend about three weeks ago in my hometown. And so I took my daughter with me. And we, on the road trip, uh, I believe it was on the way home, um, I set up her little portable DVD player. And um, Haven is five years old, my daughter. And I said, okay, you want to watch Frozen or, you know, one of these other movies? He said, no, I want to watch that Bible DVD. I want to watch the Bible on DVD. I said, okay, awesome. So I put that in, and, and she put her headphones on, and, and we, we started off. Uh, I live, uh, well, my hometown is in southeast Kansas, about four and a half hours away. And so we started off, and, and, and she's watching this Bible on DVD, and she has her headphones on. And when kids have their headphones on, especially at a young age, they don't realize the volume difference when they're talking. So I was just kind of listening quietly to something else, and then all of a sudden from the back seat, Dad! Dad! (laughs) She starts commentating on what she's watching. And she's so excited. She says, Dad, this is true, real life stuff. This stuff really happened. Dad. Dad. Noah. Noah listened. He listened. And God protected him in the ark and the big boat. Dad. And then she started just asking some questions, and, and it was really cool. Just, and, and then we stopped for, for uh, dinner at Steak and Shake, and we, we go in, and, and she starts asking me some other questions. And then as we're, we're going into the restroom, she said, Dad, why did 
did God make Adam and Eve, boy and girl, different? Is it so we could have two different bathrooms? And I was like, no, no, it's actually, there's, it's like, that's an, that's an interesting thought, you know? And I said, no, no, but she's so excited. And she, you know, she asked, she said, well, well I don't understand. I said, well, the, you know, you know, man was alone and, and they came together and, and then they could have babies. And she said, how does that happen? I said, you can ask your mom when we get home. <laughs> True story. I told her that. All right. She was so excited, so excited to hear God's word, to see it, to experience it. You know, the challenge for us, and we, um, uh, David had a devotion during our Saturday morning prayer yesterday, and he talked about what weighs us down, what makes it so that we don't experience this excitement. And he talked about gravity, the gravity of this world, the things that pull us down so we don't soar. The things that pull us away from the excitement of diving into this every single day and seeing what God wants to share with us. The same kind of excitement that my daughter experienced. The same kind of excitement that this, this person who wrote Psalm 119. I believe, though, if we begin to shift our thinking about Scripture, things can change. If we make a shift, we can find that lift. So how do we do this? First of all, if you follow along in your handout, move from reading the Bible to looking for God. Sometimes we think, well, I got I to gotta read the Bible. I'm just going to read this and, 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 and maybe I memorize it or something. And what do I do? No, start thinking I'm going to be looking for God. The second thing is move from an obligation to a passionate pursuit. Okay, sometimes we have this in your mind, and maybe it's from your background. I remember growing up, my mom would always say, you know, you have to read your Bible every day. You have to. You have to do this. And I appreciate she was trying to instill a habit into my heart and into my life. But it got to be where it was just like an obligation. I want you to start thinking of a passionate pursuit. Remember when you were pursuing someone and knew where and when that person would be. And you just happen to be at that same place at that same time, right? First time I met my wife was in church. She was sitting behind me in Springfield, Missouri. We were students at two different colleges. I turned around during the greeting time, and I had a divine moment. <laughs> and the next, I'll tell you what, the next, that next week, over the next five days, I found out who she was from a friend of a friend. And I went to an outlet mall, bought a whole new outfit, and I was ready the next greeting time to be where she was going to be. That's, I was passionately pursuing her. This is our opportunity to passionately pursue an encounter with God. The reality is, every time you open this and you pursue God, looking for Him, He's there waiting. He's there waiting. The third thing that we can shift is move from routine to relationship. In a few minutes, I'm going to challenge you to make this a habit. But don't make this a routine. Don't make this a checklist item, a to-do item. God gave us the Bible so that we can have a transformational encounter with him. He wants a relationship with you. That's why this is here. That's why it is so available. In fact, one of the unique things about the Bible is that it is the one and only book that the author desires to meet with every single reader. 
every single reader. How many of you have ever been to a book signing before? You actually, you, you went to a store, you went and you met the author. Okay, a few of you. All right. Some of you aren't raising your hand because you realize whatever signing it was of the book, you, you don't want to even admit that you were at that, that book signing, right? All right. You get to interact for just a few moments. It's that cool thing if it's a really cool book. What, what happens when we take time to meet the author of the Bible and the author of all life? I want to take a look at the book of 2 Timothy. This is actually a letter towards the end of your Bibles. All right? This is a letter by a man named Paul, and he's writing to Timothy like his mentor, his, one of his best friends, some of his last words before he was uh, martyred for Christ. In chapter 3, Verses 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to just kind of look at this passage and, and, and just refer to a few things. What happens when we meet with the author? What can happen? I believe this scripture unlocks a few of those things. And every one of these little statements starts with the word every. Because it is every time you open this, something amazing can happen. First of all, every word is his word. All scripture is God-breathed. All is such an important word. That means every word you read is from him. From him. God-breathed, this compound word in the Greek actually, it literally means breathed into by God breathed into. We talk about soar. We're, that's what we're talking about, how we can soar in this new year. God wants to breathe, give you that lift under your wings every day through this, through his scriptures. Paul, the author of this letter, is saying that God breathed his thoughts, desires, and content into the minds of the authors as they wrote each word of the 66 books in this, this Bible that is left for us. Theologians, they have this, uh, for, for this scripture in particular, they, they use three words. Plenary verbal inerrancy, which means this, all words without error. Flawless, what we have before us. God breathed into his words, his ideas left for us. In other words, God used all the authors, all the words, all the concepts and ideas he wanted written in the way he wanted it in order to communicate life-changing truth to you for all time, for all people. That's what we have available to us every single day. His words. Every word is his word. Every page tells us something about who God is. The Bible reveals the very character of our creator. The very character of who he is. You want to know God? You want to get to know him better? You have questions? This is where we find answers. Just this last week, I was reading in Psalm uh, uh, chapter 146. And I came across this phrase. It says, sustains, God sustains the fatherless and the widows. And I underlined that. And I just stopped. And I thought, how many times do I read this in scripture? That God cares for the fatherless. God cares for the orphans and widows. 
The first ministry of the early church was to orphans and widows. That tells me something about who God is. It reminds me of how compassionate and caring he is. Every time you open your Bible and read, you get an opportunity to understand what God is like. And that helps you in your relationship with him, and it helps you to be able to share with others who God is. That friend that's just just searching, asking you questions. Why do you go to church? Why do you even believe in God? Can I tell you about who my God is? This morning as I was reading, this is what I came across. It's so cool. Can I share it with you? This is what my God is like. Every page tells us something about who God is. I love in Psalm 119, it says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. You can consider how awesome he is every single day. Every scripture has a purpose. I love Paul's words. He says, and is useful. Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Every scripture has a purpose. Uh, My son loves to read, and I love that he loves reading the Bible. He also has lots and lots of books. In fact, I had to really pry to find out what he wanted for Christmas other than books. And he has this every year. I'm like, hey, are there some books that you don't need anymore because you're running out of space to put these books? And he's got the entire Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, okay? And he just keeps, and the thing is, he loves them so much that we'll go on a trip and he'll grab one of those and he'll just read it again, you know, because he enjoys it. The reality is for my son, someday he's going to get tired of reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I hope. If he's 25 reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid, we're going to have a talk. But for the Bible, for the Bible, What I love about it is it's the only book that once you start reading it, you don't stop. Once you start passionately pursuing this, his word, you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop. Its purpose and usefulness, they are ongoing. It never stops amazing me. It never stops challenging me. It never stops teaching me. According to Paul, the Bible is useful for four things. And a book that I have, it's a really good book about just kind of background on the Bible questions. It's actually called The Bible Questions by author Hal Seed. He brings this unique perspective. I want to share it for you. It says, think of it like a journey. The Bible teaches us what is right. This is the road. And when we stray off the path, it rebukes us saying, you're off the road. Next, it corrects us, saying, this is how to get back on the road. Then it trains us in righteousness or right living by saying, this is how to stay on the road. Always useful. Always useful. Every scripture has a purpose. The last thing I want to share with you, it starts with every, every verse is potentially a personal message. I love what Hebrews, uh, a book towards the end of the New Testament, chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even 
to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When you realize the gravity of what this says right here, when you realize how incredible the Bible is, that it is alive and powerful, it can change your experience with encountering God in Scripture. It can propel you to moments that you have with God that you'll never forget. I, uh, a couple years ago, invested in a journaling Bible and because I had other Bibles that I always thought I needed to keep them really nice. I didn't want to write in them. But then I realized there's great power in actually writing down the things that you learn, that you experience in Scripture. And so I have this journaling Bible, and I, I, I was looking through some of my notes here in the last couple days. And sometimes I like to date the things that happen in Scripture. And in Psalm 32, it was actually January of 12th of, of 2015, I sensed that God was doing something in me, and I couldn't figure it out. I knew... It was like I could only see so far in front of me. And if if you're newer here to Southridge, I was pastor of New Creation Church for um, a little over 10 years. And and, uh, Pastor Troy had recruited me to plant that church. And and God had, had begun stirring my heart. Like I knew something was on the other side, but I didn't know where we were going and what was happening. And in June of this last year, our church merged with Southridge. And God has been doing some really cool things through that. I'm excited. Um, But that process, there's about three or four months where my time in the Word and my time in prayer, I was like, I don't know what God is doing here. And so it's so interesting that I came across this, this notation. In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I wrote next to it, counsel and instruct me, exclamation point. Lead the way and stay near to me. See, I had this moment in scripture where I read this and I was like, this was for me today. This was for me. I'm telling you, every verse in the Bible is potentially a personal message and a personal encounter with God where you can read it and some of you will nod your head where you're like, wow, I so needed that today. I so needed to read that. It was like God, it was like I opened my Bible and started reading. I flipped it open and it just fell on this page miraculously. And sometimes that happens. But honestly, just to share with you, if you had one of those moments or, or you've heard of that, they are all over the place in, this, in the scriptures. These potential moments, a personal message to you that God wants to talk with you. He wants to meet with you. You can meet the author of this text and of your life every single day. So to kick off the new year, we can begin soaring with everyday encounters with God, allowing to breathe life into us. And I know what you're thinking. Jay, I know that starting tomorrow, my life's going to get crazy. My kids go back to school. My to-do list will start to stack up. I will get busy. Things will be moving. 
stress will be piling up. And my plan for reading this every day will just, I don't know. I don't know. I want to share with you a, a, a story. I do love history. <clears throat> In 1970, Apollo 13, anybody remember Apollo 13? You want to date yourself a little bit? All right. Was headed to the moon when it suffered an onboard explosion crippling the aircraft. To return to Earth safely, Commander Jim Lovell could not rely on sophisticated computers, navigational instruments to realign Apollo 13. They had to do this 14-minute burn, okay, start to, to get just a little bit closer to earth and to get on track. To do that, though, how would, he, how would he stay on course? How would he stay in the right place? And if you've seen the movie Apollo 13, you see as they start that burn, they just start moving all over the place. And they're wondering, how will they ever do this? But Jim Lovell, looking through the little window, said, I have a fixed reference point. It's that marble-sized earth. And as long as I keep it right into that triangle window, as we do this, for 14 seconds, we'll be all right. For each and every one of us, we need a fixed reference point every day. Because the things that are moving around you, the stress, the weight, the gravity of this world, the junk in our life, this can be your fixed reference point, And it's what God has designed it for. That this would be your fixed reference point every single day, morning or evening or both, lunchtime, at work, or with the kids screaming in the background, that this would be the thing that would fix your life heavily on God. I want to look at a few steps for you to establish a fixed reference point in your life. If you look there in your handout, you'll see these are just some action steps. First of all, make a plan. Make a plan. If you need a plan, that version is a great resource. Uh, um, there are Bibles that are, if you, if you like the old-fashioned Bibles, there are one-year Bibles that you can buy as well. Make a plan, a reading plan, a devotional plan. The second thing is pick a time and a place. A couple years ago, I challenged uh, a new creation. I challenged everyone for a month, where's your chair? Where's the place that you would sit and meet with God every day? That might be in your car, okay? It might be in your living room. It might, it might be in your break room. Maybe you have a quiet break room at work where you can pick a, a lunchtime that, that, that you can just... Tuck yourself away in the corner, your chair, your place to meet with God. I want to encourage you, even if you do use the digital version, versions, the challenge for all of us in this, I believe in a digital age, is that we have so many things. All right, I was going to bring my phone up here, but, um, you know, our phones, how much time do we spend with this in our hand? How much time do you spend with a remote in your hand? Here's the deal. I, I, this this thought just came to me during Saturday morning prayer. For us, yeah, I think of this this in our key text. It says, "You can find new strength. Find new strength." Okay. And and, and just this thought, God dropped it in my my heart, and 
if you want to power up, you kind of have to power down. Power down all those digital devices because God wants to give you strength for your day, for your life, for your marriage, for your workplace. So pick a time and a place where all that can happen. The third thing is pause and listen. I want to encourage you. This is, this is kind of one of those steps that I think as you begin to spend more time in the Word, you realize this is significant. This is moving from reading Scripture to looking for God. After you read a chunk of Scripture, I encourage you, uh, if you want a simple plan, start with a book like the book of Philippians and just read through it at your own pace. Right? And after you've read, don't shut the book. Don't shut the Bible and say, I'm done. Stop and ask this question, an invitation to God and say, Lord, what are you saying to me through your word? And stop and listen. And a still small voice will start to tug at your heart about what you've read. The fourth thing is put your reflections down on paper. Just wanna, I want to get this out there. Journaling is not just for girls. Everybody can journal. It's a powerful thing. I just shared with you a moment from over a year ago. Me writing it down was so important for my spiritual journey, for my growth and my relationship with God. The last thing is this. Pray over everything you read. And if I could even edit my own notes right now, I'd say pray over and through. Through everything that you read. You know, as I close out, I first I want to share with you that just last week I was thinking about some of the things for the new year, and and I knew I was going to be sharing uh, about, about reading scripture, and I was holding my Bible. I was actually shut, and it was in my hands. I had just read through some scripture. I'd been studying the Book of Jonah, and and God had just revealed some cool things in it. And I, I you know, I just had this prayer, and I want to share it with you. And it was very simple. And, and I said, God, when I grip with my hands. Let it grip my heart. Let this grip my heart this year like never before. I wanted to share a couple things with you and just in my conclusion, but I scratched them off because last night I spoke, I was, I was my wife said, how do you feel about what you're going to be sharing? I said, really good, except the conclusion. I don't, I don't know what God wants me to share. And God's, God really laid a, a word on my heart last night from Psalm 119. And in verse 11, it says, I have hidden his word in my heart. That word hidden, it means to treasure. Treasure. It's actually the same word that's used throughout the Old Testament. When when people found valuable things, they'd go and they'd put it away somewhere safe. We have all kinds of, of things that we put away in our minds, in our hearts, in our homes, in our own safes, in our bank accounts, the things that we treasure. When you start diving in and and making Scripture the fixed reference point of your life so that God can breathe into you, into your heart and into your life and into your marriage, into your family, you will begin to treasure Scriptures in your heart like never before. They will become valuable to you. One of the Scriptures so valuable to me is Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. And at the very end, in Jesus' last words, anytime I, I, I get 
frustrated. I'm going through a difficult time. And I remember these words. I will be with you always to the very end. I know I'm not alone. Any time in my life when I've wondered, God, how, how in the world, how in the world will you provide for this? How will you take care of me or one of my other family members? My God shall supply all my needs. Philippians 4.19. These verses are so valuable. I treasure them. I've hidden them in my heart so that when I go through difficult times, I can just pull onto them. I can, it's like reaching into a safe and pulling it out this valuable thing to remind me of how much God loves me, cares for me, and wants to be involved with my every moment of my life. That's what he wants for you. If you will, bow your heads for just a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, which is true, which is life-changing. God, for you to breathe your words into every one of the words, into every one of these pages. It shows how much you care for us, how you want to speak to us. You want to meet with us. If you're here this morning and you need to meet God for the first time through a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you need to meet him for the first time in a long time, Maybe this has just become a religious thing. God, going to church, and you need to make a a new rededication of your life to say, I want 2016 to be different. I want an active, real relationship with God. Whichever the case, making that step to just say, Jesus, I love you. I believe you're the son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to change my life forever. And I want to follow you. If you've made that step right now for the first time or the first time in a long time, just raise up and say, that was me. I made it. Raise your hand up and say, that was me. I did that. If you're here this morning and you need strength, you need strength so that you can start to soar. You want to find this strength that Isaiah is talking about in our key text. Say you need strength for some area of your life. I just feel prompted that if that's you, just raise up so I know who to pray for. I need strength all over. Yes, yes. God, you see these hands, you know these hearts. I pray in Jesus' name that starting today, things will be different. This will be a new year that you would give strength, that you would give peace, that you would give help, usefulness, Lord, purpose from your scripture. Teach each and every heart. Lead them. We ask all this in Jesus' name.